Welcome to Full Potential, Thriving with Neurodiversities. I'm your host, Sarah Intonato. This podcast teaches parents of children with neurodiversities, such as autism, ADHD, learning disabilities, and beyond, to support their kids in reaching their full potential so that they can thrive instead of letting stereotypes define them. My mission is to end suffering amongst these parents by giving them the tools to heal themselves, which in turn empowers them to be bold, confident advocates for their children. By addressing a variety of topics, such as well-being, advocacy, and spirituality, these parents stop being the victims of a broken system and instead succeed in providing their unique children with exactly what they need to thrive and share their gifts with the world. One by one, these families now change the world through their uniqueness instead of being victimized by it. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode, which is coming at you live during book launch week. That's right, people. My first book, won't be the last, my first book, Emotional Healing for Parents of Children with Autism, is out available for purchase now on Amazon and many other retailers. The link is in the show notes. The Kindle and regular book versions are available now, and the audiobook version will be available in the coming weeks. So if you're someone who listens to books rather than reading a tangible book, don't worry, I've got you. And if you haven't yet joined my email list, now is the time to do it so that you can be notified as soon as the audiobook comes out. In addition to that, there are so many new exciting things coming at you live hand in hand with this book. A new group community, a masterclass for the Rocco Up Method, and so many other things are launching. So Again, if you're not on the list, do subscribe because you want to get all these details first. And in celebration of launch week today, I am reading another excerpt from my book. And this one really hits home. The whole book is very personal, but this one was a serious turning point for me. And I didn't know it at the time, but it would become the moment that planted the seed for the work that I do now. And you'll hear all about why in just a moment. It takes place at a time in my life when Rocco was newly diagnosed and life had taken a very sharp turn into new territory. I had no idea what I was doing. I had my two and a half year old Rocco, not even. I had Aurelia, my daughter, who was probably 10 months old, still nursing and was just putting one foot in front of the other, holding it all together on the outside, feeling really broken, questioning myself and not really wanting to admit that I was sad on the inside. Because if I admitted I was sad, I was afraid the tears wouldn't stop. And it was easier to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, chugging along, making sure everyone else was good. And that's what I was doing. But this point in the book, was like the needle scratching on a record (laughs) because I was never the same after this conversation. And it's a conversation I replay in my mind over and over. And I'm so deeply thankful for it, even though at the time it felt very much like being hit in the face with a two by four. It was a big wake up call. And 
kind of one of those moments that I now refer to as an F you and thank you moment all at once. So with no further ado, let's dive in. And again, this is a an excerpt from my book, Emotional Healing for Parents of Children with Autism. From the moment the sun rose, each day was incredibly daunting. As I embarked upon a new way of teaching my child, it felt hard to simply be with him and trust my love would be enough to guide him. As a soul-powered spiritual woman, this was the most counterintuitive feeling imaginable, and it hurt immensely. I felt betrayed by every parenting book and holistic-minded mother who had given me advice. Love was not enough to heal Rocco. If my ego ever wanted evidence that I was not, in fact, good enough as a mother, or in any way, here it was, smack in front of me at every waking moment. As I challenged myself to have a beginner's mind and welcome new ways of parenting, I doubted my abilities and my brain ran wild with feelings of inadequacy. I reasoned I'd leave all of Rocco's instruction to the professionals. I was inundated by the prospect of becoming a well-versed therapy machine, researcher, nutritional specialist, and decision maker, because now in this new reality, love definitely wasn't enough. Though I rallied to face the battery of therapists shuffling into and out of my life, I felt numb. My home had transformed into a therapy factory, which elicited feelings of both gratitude and overwhelm. Our books and bedtime ritual were the only part of the day I looked forward to. Soon after Rocco's diagnosis, Ann Alfano was assigned to his case by our head ABA teacher. He assured me that Annie would be a nice balance for the work in front of us. Having met several technical experts already, I wasn't holding my breath for a miracle when I was told Annie specialized in relationship development intervention, RDI. Her job was to make Rocco dance with me, so to speak, and show me how to truly connect with him and generalize all he was learning by bringing it to life in the home. Annie didn't believe in turning Rocco into a therapy robot. She was here to help make everything I did so alluring that he couldn't help but be excited to communicate with me. I was skeptical. I had no idea how anything in the autism world could be fun. Until I met her, that is. I nearly jumped for joy when Annie burst onto the scene. Her smile and red hair were so bright, ultraviolet really, they nearly knocked me over. She was high on life and radiated enthusiasm so powerfully that it was impossible not to get caught in her wake. She reminded me of me, or at least the person I was before my world fell apart. I knew in my heart she had shown up for a reason, to push me back to that joyful woman again. I'll never forget opening my green front door to welcome Annie for our first parent training session. She parked her bright orange Honda Element on the street by our front lawn, and pulled a monstrous bag of toys from the trunk. As she lugged the bag up our driveway with a huge toothy smile on her face, I felt as though a pint-sized Santa Claus was approaching. Hi, Sarah, she said as excitedly as I opened the door and smiled back. Rocco, unable to resist the joy in Annie's voice, ran up behind me to investigate and immediately began to dig around in Annie's sack of toys. Instead of responding sternly like so many other therapists did, 
Annie got down to the floor to meet Rocco at eye level and talked to him in a way that reminded me of Mary Poppins. Hey, Rocco, are you ready to have fun together? I brought some really cool stuff for you to try. What do you think? Should we go into the playroom and pick something to play with together? Rocco didn't say anything, but stared at her intently, his face bursting into a smile too. Let's do it, Annie declared. Rocco, barely able to contain his excitement at the prospect of playing with the redheaded woman whose only care in the world was to be fully present while having fun with him, bounded off into the den. I noticed Annie wasn't ordering him around, forcing him to follow directions, or bribing him to do so using a cookie or the ever-alluring iPad. She was engaging Rocco without him even realizing it, and I was eager to learn more. The next hour went by so fast that I couldn't believe it when Annie announced that our time was up and asked Rocco to show her where he was going to eat his dinner. He happily did so, taking her by the hand and proudly showing her his seat at the table. I was stunned, not only that the time had passed so quickly, but also that I hadn't spent it second-guessing myself or worrying about what to do next. Annie had schooled me, the yoga teacher, in being fully present with my own child. As I watched Annie trot to her car after our first RDI session, I was keenly aware I was smiling. I hadn't noticed it until that moment, but I'd spent the last few months so knee deep in hardship, I couldn't recall the last time I'd smiled. I certainly couldn't summon a memory of the last time I had laughed, an awareness that broke my heart even more. Seeing this tiny seed of delight planted gave me hope that happiness would take root in my life once again although I had no idea how. In Annie, I found a kindred spirit. We conversed about energy and being present, and it was as if someone finally spoke my language. She openly talked about God. Annie is a Jew who believes in Jesus and loves Joel Osteen. Faith and trust, concepts I had all but given up on. She became the bridge connecting my life's work with the autism world a uniting that was sorely needed as I searched for meaning amidst the mess. I quickly learned Annie was not as syrupy sweet as she seemed on the surface. While every other therapist came in, did their job, very well, I might add, and went home, Annie was different. She was perceptive and wasted no time getting under my skin. After observing my interactions with Rocco for just a few weeks, she took me outside into the backyard. We walked out the small doorway from the kitchen to our beautifully worn stone patio, the large glass windows of Rocco's room and the back of the two-car garage on our right, sheltering us from the outside world and giving the old patio the feel of a secret garden. We traversed the patio and came to the edge of the flat gray stone, beyond which sat our expansive half-acre yard in full bloom with rich summer greenery. Rocco ran out in front of us, making his way toward the small tree swing Ben had hung from a sturdy oak tree past the garage. Even further into the grass stood a trampoline, a tiny bicycle track fit for a toddler, and a water table that Rocco loved to play with in the summer heat. A toy soccer net to the left was visible through the leaves. Ben had begun using it with Rocco during their early evening play sessions before sunset. I smiled as I looked around, the thick grass giving off the smell of summer. The buzzing of honeybees was audible from the shrubs near the fence all the way in the back that bordered our neighbor's property to the rear. My yard didn't resemble a well-designed pottery barn advertisement, 
but it was clear much fun was had here. As we approached Rocco, who clambered onto the swing and waited to be pushed, Annie turned to me and said, Sa, enough is enough. You have to do better. Surprised, I defensively responded, what do you mean? I take great care of Rocco, don't I? Annie could feel my anxiety and softened her expression, though her eyes flickered with passion and her tone remained serious. She gestured excitedly with her hands as she spoke, initially by shaking her pointer finger in my face and then expanding into a variety of other movements so powerful, I swear you could interpret what she was saying even if you didn't understand English. I mean, you need to bond with him, be with him, and not just when you're feeding him dinner, putting him to bed, or any of that taking care of him type stuff. I know you can do that. Anyone can do that. It's time for you to stop being afraid you're going to make the wrong move and ruin his progress. You're afraid to believe in him because you're terrified it might come crashing down again. It's time to stop being an ice queen and have faith in him because he's a great kid and you're missing it. Gulp. Sweet, joyful Annie had called me out and it stung. A quick flicker of anger ran through my veins but fizzled right away because I knew her words were true. I was stunned she'd been so perceptive as to nail exactly what I was thinking. Nobody had ever called me an ice queen before and the discomfort wasn't something I was eager to repeat. But what if I don't do it right? I replied. And then he doesn't progress and it's all my fault. I felt my voice waver as I spoke, my lips quivering at the thought of causing any more hardship to my sweet boy. Sensing my worry, Annie stepped closer and grabbed me, grabbed my hand with hers, which felt strong and warm from the humid air. She stepped right into my line of sight and locked eyes with me. Her red lipstick was still intact despite the heat and it made her teeth look even brighter. If you want him to succeed, you have to be the difference maker, Annie declared. You spend more time with him than anyone else. School won't do it. Therapy won't do it. It's up to you now. She squeezed my hand and smiled kindly but firmly. This woman wasn't messing around. I couldn't deny what she had said was true. And we both knew it. What I thought was the smartest choice for Rocco by handing all the power over to the specialists was actually an elaborate plan to avoid the risk of shouldering any further blame for Rocco's challenges. Annie saw it and called it out before I even knew what I was doing. Well, geez. In the months and years to come, I replayed this moment in my mind time and again. It showed me I had a true team player on the squad. Annie wasn't here to go through the motions. She demanded real progress and wasn't afraid to stand up to anyone who stood in the way, myself included. Her strength empowered me to do the same. And it was clear I had to summon as much mental strength as I could muster in order to stand shoulder to shoulder with her. Every parent feels the gravitas of their role in raising a healthy, successful child. In Rocco's case, I felt the intensity even more. It was odd to have to consider my role in my two-year-old's life as a vital key to his future success. While many parents allow themselves flexibility and forgiveness in making mistakes, I didn't have that luxury. I was already behind and had crucial ground to make up. It was a heavy burden to carry, and quite frankly, I was not up to doing it. But I was aware that I could be, maybe, 
if I could find some space to heal from the trauma tornado. You might've noticed that I definitely felt the emotions come up as I was reading that. I, I remember exactly where I was in my yard, exactly what I was wearing during that conversation with Annie. I remember my relief when I realized she had something to teach me that would really help me, the mom. And I remember both the relief and fear in realizing I was the meaningful participant that mattered in his journey. I think in many ways it would have been easier to just keep handing him off to specialists, trusting they had the master's degrees in this, they knew what to do. And it was also amazing to realize that I was the meaningful participant that mattered and I could control how I showed up, but I had to heal first. I couldn't lead from a place of being a victim. And I'm so thankful that that conversation with her gave me the push to prioritize my own healing because I couldn't lead in the position that I was in at that moment when we had that conversation. In a way, it felt like someone had signed my permission slip to prioritize my own healing so that I could show up better. And it's not lost on me that so many parents don't have a conversation like that with any specialist that works with their child. So often it's the opposite. The specialists tell the parents, we've got it handled. We know what we're doing. Trust us, which are good things to say. And it also probably unintentionally, maybe in some cases intentionally, disempowers the parents. They give their power away. And I remember thinking, well, I don't know anything. I'm not the one with the master's degree in autism. They must know better than me. Here's what I want you to know. Nobody knows your child better than you. Nobody. Nobody is with them 24 hours a day like you. You are the expert in your own child. They need you to be strong enough to show up for them. In the foreword of the book by Natalia Vodianova, who is both a supermodel and a philanthropist and the founder of the Naked Heart Foundation, she talks about how with her foundation, they were going into foreign countries and working with children directly. And they were seeing the kids hit a ceiling because the parents were so overwhelmed that they started working with the parents. And as the parents grew and were empowered, the kids started to improve even more. This is why I do what I do. I want all those parents who felt disempowered, who felt like, oh, the experts know better than me to realize that you matter. You are a meaningful participant in your child's journey. And when you take that role seriously and prioritize yourself, your well-being, you will see your child reach new heights that you never imagined possible. But the flip side is also true. If your child is not reaching those heights, check yourself. As Annie told me once, and this was another slap in the face, courtesy of the redheaded Annie, if your child is not responding to you or not making progress, they are not the problem. You are the problem. Yes, it can feel like a slap in the face. And what an amazing gift to have to know that you are important in this process and you can create change in this process as well. You probably hear my Rocco making noise in the background. Not surprised if you do. 
definitely not planned and you get it. You have a child with needs. So thank you for listening. Thank you for buying my book. If you have someone with autism in your life, gift this book to them. I can guarantee you they need to read it. Share it with them. Let's change the world together. As all these families rise up and are treated the way they deserve to be treated, and these parents are empowered, you will see individuals with autism living the lives they deserve to live, having a brighter future. Because the parents learn to say no when something is not enough, and learn to say yes when something feels right. Have a beautiful day. Take care. If today's show resonated with you, please leave a review through your favorite podcast provider as it's an important step in allowing new listeners to find us when they need to hear this message in their own lives.